I have this belief that every single one of us at every moment in time is doing the best that we can with the circumstances that we're in and with the histories that we carry within us, every single one of us. And that really, for a lot of people, I understand it requires a leap of faith to land in the truth of that statement. When you can land there, you automatically will be able to shift to a somewhat more compassionate lens for your own parents who did the very best they could for the circumstances that they were in and with the histories that they were carrying inside of themselves. They did the best that they could. And here you are, when you were a child, it was their job to fill you up with all the things that were lovely and good. That was their job. And now you're an adult. It's no longer their job. So we're not excusing it. We are explaining it. And we are taking full ownership of the journey that we are on. I believe that love is all around us. Love is everything and everywhere. I am love. You are love. We are all love. In our divinity, in our soul, in the truest and simplest form of our being, we are pure, unconditional love. Love is the answer to everything. Every week in this podcast, we're talking to incredible and beautiful people who will be sharing their insights and perspectives to help you find more peace to help you come from a place of love more often, to help encourage you to be kinder to yourself and others, to help you create more happiness in your life, to help you feel more oneness with others, and to help you connect to your higher self. My name is Justin Court. Together, we will help shift the collective consciousness of the planet to be more loving, kind, peaceful, happy, empathetic, understanding, and accepting. This can only be achieved together. It starts with each and every one of us. We are one, and it's time we start acting that way. I am so, so grateful that you're here. I love you, I support you, and I'm here for you. Let's together create more love in this world. Let's do this. If you want to go deep into conscious parenting, heal from your own childhood traumas, and learn tools to create a new path as a parent for your children, filled with understanding, forgiveness, and love, then this is definitely the episode for you. Today's guest is a mom parent counselor, international speaker, and best-selling author. Dr. Vanessa LaPointe is the parent whisperer, and she's been supporting families and children for almost 20 years. Dr. Vanessa is known for bringing a sense of nurturing understanding and humanity to all of her work. Her passion is in walking alongside parents, teachers, care providers, and other big people to really see the world through the child's eyes. She believes that if we can do this, we are beautifully positioned to grow up our children in the best possible ways. Well, Dr. Vanessa, I would love 
Ah, to welcome you to the podcast. Thank you so much for being here. It's a thrill. Thank you. I'm really excited because I'm excited to talk to you and just share more of your wisdom so that I can take some of it in, um, but then also really share it with everybody out there because I am just a firm, big believer in how important it is to take care of our children in a loving sense and not a sense where they do whatever they want, but in a loving, kind, open, vulnerable, really sense where that child just feels very loved and and safe and mm-hmm. and protected, right? Because those, the children now, we've always said this forever, but the children now are going to be our future. So it's like the consciousness that we raise them in or attempt to raise them in will be the consciousness of the future. And that is just, to me, at utmost importance. Um, So yeah, it's going to be really nice to chat with you and just get your insight on how we can create that better future or that um, higher consciousness living sort of a future where, you know, love is is primary and and very much there as a guiding force and, and how we're treating each other and especially how we're treating our children. Um, yeah. What happens in our home right now is going to be what is on the world stage 50 years from now. And so for us to be just ever conscious of that, and it's not even just what we're doing with our children, because I really believe that in real time, as you come alongside and really connect with the the, the feel and the template and the idea of conscious, respectful, gentle parenting, um, that you don't only give that to your child, you give that to the inner child that didn't get it maybe 20, 30, 40 years ago. And so the two of you get to grow together. And in real time, we're changing the consciousness of the planet now and 50 years from now. So double down. <laughs> yes. I love that idea too, because literally in my mind, like the future is now, like it is happening now, right? So how we are raising our children is the consciousness now. So like, where is that at and, and how do we want it to be? And in which direction are we actually going? That's right. That's right. Cause that's something I, you know, I don't, it's not like I put a lot of pressure on myself because I understand that doesn't really serve me. Um, but just the idea. So our daughter's name is Violet and just knowing, you know, doing my absolute best without overwhelming myself or putting on too much pressure for me to really guide her in the most loving way possible, you know, to eliminate as much as possible, hopefully all of it any trauma that I may impose on her. Mm-hmm. And I, as I'm saying that statement too, though, so this is interesting and I, want, I would love your perspective on this. As I say that, I also in the same exact moment know and understand I'm not going to ever intentionally traumatize her. But if those things occur in moments that that actually could be what she needed in that moment on her path to enlightenment or on her path to growth. And that was actually something that she needed in order to get there. And if I didn't behave in that way that time, maybe she wouldn't have gotten there. But again, not intentionally trying to traumatize my child, just understanding when it happens to maybe not beat myself up. And maybe that was you know something just along her path that was there for her that actually served her in some way. Yeah. You know, my healer, the woman that I work with as my own um, therapist, she said to me, Vanessa, I'm going to tell you why it had to be this way. Because it was. 
And it took me a hot minute to get my head around that concept and like really absorb it like water to sand, that everything is playing out exactly the way that it is meant to play out. None of it is random. And when you have a moment with your child where you're maybe you're you're not the kind of parent that you endeavor to be and you might get yelly shouty or frustrated or whatever, that those moments are meant to happen. There's some beautiful research, actually, that has played out in the field around that with Edward Tronic and his lab at Harvard. And uh, he talks about it's the good, the bad, and the ugly. And the good and the bad, that's part of life. It's part of, you know, we fall out of connection and we find our way back into connection. And it's the ebb and flow of that that actually allows us to be adaptive and to become resilient and to sort of connect with um, not just our comfort zone, but also our stretch zone in life. The Mm. problem settles in when you fall out of connection and there's no move to repair it. There's no move to go back in. That's the ugly. And that's the part that gets really challenging and very traumatic for children. Yes. Thank you for that. Right. When those times do happen, hmm, that made me just feel like so much better about this whole situation. It's like when those times do happen where maybe, oh, I don't even want to, if I yell, but I don't ever want, you know, if that ever does happen. Um Right. It's coming back to her. It's after being like, hey, you know, daddy didn't act in in the best way that he could have acted in that moment. And that's okay because that happens to us sometimes. And just like apologizing to her and letting her understand kind of where I was at in that moment, right? And just communicating with her so that she understands that like those moments will happen, but that's not the defining factor of of who her dad is and how he's going to show up every day for her. And it also teaches her that when you stumble and when you make a mistake or when you step forward in ways that you really didn't want to or aren't reflective of the truth of who you are, that that's okay, that we can have compassion for ourselves in that so that when she stumbles, which inevitably she will, she can have love for herself and not go down the blame-shame spiral and instead just be able to move through it and come out the other side having figured something out about that. Mm. And literally going right back to that, it's like, that's why having those moments will help her grow, right? Because if I do overstep or get loud, but then after I can sit with her, express and uh, express my apologies, right? Ask for forgiveness and just like be that example for her. You're right. Then that will show her then at least an option of a way that she can be when an opportunity like that presents herself and say, hey, you know, dad did this that one time, but then he came to me and apologized. So like, maybe I can do that too. Maybe that's like, you know, what will serve my highest self is apologizing or reaching out to that person and creating that connection again. So yes, like even right there in the quote unquote kind of, see, I don't even want to say that. I was going to say in the quote unquote bad parenting, but I, I don't even want to think that as a, as a, as a, concept. Just, I guess the idea, right, where we do quote unquote, maybe mess up a little bit. There's always room to learn and to grow and to set that example once again for for our children. Yeah. And not only room for that, but it's essential. I always say to parents, like, you don't need to wander around creating those moments. Like just because it's good for your kid to have to flex the adaptive muscle a little bit. We don't need to wander around creating those moments because life will organically bring the exact 
number of moments that need to be brought in order for that to be learned and understood. And when it happens, just accept it. Accept yourself as the parent who got a little short-tempered or a little yelly-shouty. Have compassion for yourself. And then shine that compassion out towards your child so that they know everything in the world is right and well. And we're moving on forward from this. And daddy loves you. And I got you. And you're the best in the world ever. You know, what's really beautiful about this experience with her and about this journey, and you mentioned this like a little bit before, is that I am constantly growing and evolving through every moment with her. It's the best thing. It's the gift of parenthood, really. Like our children on a silver platter just hand us. They're like, oh, you need to heal this part of you and this part of you and this part of you. I got you. I'm going to bring it all forward. And some of it's really beautiful and connected and lovely. And some of it can feel kind of blah. And oftentimes the age and stage that our children are in, if we feel anything coming up in us, that's kind of, you know, a little grindy or a little triggery. Uh, it's because that's the part of us at that exact age and stage in life who maybe didn't get their needs met or wasn't responded to with compassion or whatever. And it just sort of comes awake in us. And then we get to say hi to it as we say hi to it in our child. And both of us get to go and grow together. Mm, best the best. Because like, I want to be the best version of myself for me, but I really want to be the best version of myself for her. And you know what's crazy? Like we could do this outside parenthood. We could like heal our minds and and go back and reparent and all of the things for our inner child. We could do that outside of parenthood. And as human beings, for whatever reason, we often don't, but we will do for our children what we wouldn't do for ourselves. And that's the gift, right? That they really inspire that in us because we want we want to show up for them in a way that has them not needing to recover from their own childhood. Hmm. I want to share something with you just really quickly. That was like life-changing. So, um, so special, so special to me. So in having Violet, um, so my, my dad's been here. Um, he lives in Florida as well and he comes over. And so he's been coming over like once a month. And then now he's been here even often, just more often helping out because my wife is pregnant again, um, which is amazing. So he's just here to help out a lot. One of the most beautiful experiences I've ever had. So my dad, he is, he's a, you know, from New York, from Yonkers. He's this Italian guy who just kind of, uh, I don't like using, he like kind of fits that stereotype a little bit. You know, he is very loving. We always knew he loved us growing up. He, he never, we never doubted that ever. But, you know, he was rough around the edges and he had a little bit of a temper so he could be kind of quick to shout and things like that. And seeing him with her, this new version of himself has come forward. And it's like the most loving, beautiful version of him that I've ever seen. And that doesn't take away from who he was when I was a kid. I loved him then. But the version of who he is now is profound. Yeah. It is amazing the love that is coming from him it is like blowing my mind in the best way so the experience that i got to have is so seeing him with her and seeing how just like insanely loving he is to her heals parts of my inner child that felt like i didn't always get that from him right because you know what it is? you're yeah. glimpsing his truth like he's rough around the edges. That's not his truth. His truth is that he's love and he's light and he's the the essence of that. And you net like you get to see it now that you're an adult and you have this gorgeous 
little human in your life, you get to see his truth. And wow, I can just imagine how healing that must feel. I think about that. And I said that to him. I'm like, you know, like, I'm like, because when he's like that recently, it's like, dad, like, this is who you truly are. Like, this is actually, right. Exactly. Like you said, this is actually your truth. And it's so incredible to see that because he did, you know, he, he, he had two boys. He had to kind of, he taught us sports and he was our coach and he had, he just did have like that kind of rough exterior as a lot of men, especially in his generation had that. Right. And they wanted to push that forward. And then now though, to, to see him, I'm like, dad, this is really who you are. Like, it's just that little boy. It's like just little eight-year-old Tom inside of you that is just like now shining through. And Vanessa, when I get to see him with her, even though, and again, he was loving when I was a, a child, but again, this is like just a new form of love coming from him. So when I get to see him being like that with her, it heals my inner child because even though I didn't get to experience it then, I'm experiencing it now. So I'm still having the experience. Yes, it's years later, but I'm still able to have that experience. And then it literally instantly makes me feel calmer and just more love in my heart and soul. And then just like, I just feel like a healing coming over me. Yeah. We are all the ages that we have ever been. They never leave us. And so even though you're older, you still have an eight-year-old in you and a six-year-old in you and a 15 year old and you like they're all still there and that they get to re-experience this I was also just thinking as you were saying that what it must be like for your dad that he experiences himself that way in the love that he has for your little Violet that that must be so powerful it really <laughs> uh it really is you know and that's a gift from parenting that I got from parenting that I never saw coming I never knew that was going to happen right you know what I mean and there's just these little gifts all over the place with parenting it's just I mean, like anything in life, I just feel like it's always your perspective. It's like when Violet is, we're changing her and she's like screaming bloody murder at some times because she doesn't want to be changed. It's like, who am I going to be in this moment? Am I going to freak out and match her energy of chaos? Or does this allow me to be mindful and work on myself so that I can remain calm in those moments? Right. And it's just who I decided to be in that moment. It's our perspective. I could just go into the craziness. And then that will be my experience. Like, oh my God, changing her is the worst. This is crazy. Parenting is so hard. Or I can be like, hey, cool. This gives me a moment to be quiet and to be mindful and to work on myself and all those things. So just finding those little gifts has been really nice and really mm -hmm. special. Between stimulus and response, there is a space. And in that space is our power to choose. And in that choice lies our freedom. It's all perspective, right? And you get to actively choose all of those feelings. I think... You know, for so many of us, the experience of parenting becomes overwrought by our programs that we don't see that we're making that choice because we're driven by the program. And the program is, I'm not doing it good enough, or I'm I'm not enough, or whatever it is. And, and we allow that to um, color our perception of everything. And then we're at the effect of all of that. My husband always says, there's no such thing as immaculate perception. <laughs> <laughs> it's all coming from your stories and your narrative and your past and your wounds and all of the things that you've been through. And so you get to own that. That's the first thing. And the second thing is, if you don't like how it's going, just choose again, which isn't, you know, sometimes I think people hear that and they're like, oh, a toxic positivity. Okay, well, you can be right or you can be happy. <laughs> you know, we get to choose again. Yes. And I love that too, because 
you can see that in like one of two ways. You can see that as, whoa, whoa, like you're kind of attacking me right now. Like that's not true at right. all. Or you could see it as like, wow, I have the power here. I actually do have the ability to change my thought towards this. Is it, that doesn't mean it's super easy. Just because you have the ability to do it oh, doesn't mean. No. Yeah. <laughs> That's where I feel like the disconnect comes sometimes where we'll, I'll talk about things like that. And just because it's extremely difficult, doesn't mean that it's not possible and something that we still have the ability to do. And in knowing we have a choice in our thoughts, it's powerful there. It's like, we're not playing the victim. We're not giving our power away. We're saying it's here within me. And yes, that can be challenging to grasp that and be like, all right, well, it's all on me now, but there's just, there's just so much power in that. You know what I think? I just think that's freedom. Mm. That's freedom to know that that like it's in me. I get to decide. I'll tell you a story years ago. So I am divorced and remarried. And not that I would recommend that because that also is a challenging path. And my first marriage ended very um, badly and abruptly. And there was lots of awful things that had happened. And it, it was very, very difficult. And I had gone on for probably about, I'm going to say six months after we initially separated, like telling everybody who would listen to me what a rotten so-and-so my first husband was. And, and you know, I had a lot of evidence to to put forward that would really like hammer that point home, right? Um, and so anybody who who wanted to collude my ego and all of that could readily do so. Then I found um, my current husband, he and I were work colleagues for years previously. And we had connected over a workshop that we were planning. And I had, you know, been telling my whole story, which turned into instead of just a two hour meeting, it became like a seven hour kind of day. And he's like, I think we should go outside for a walk. And he just listened, 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 listened for seven hours. And he's a, he's a professional listener. He's well trained in that domain. And so he did an excellent job of that. And then when the moment was just right, he turned to me and he said, can I offer you something? And I thought, okay, sure. And what he did in the next five minutes in such a beautifully um, compassionate way was he changed the perception. He gave me a perspective, a possible perspective from my first husband's point of view of what it all must have felt like on his end of things. And it was like somebody, it was like somebody took the blinders off and I could actually see with compassion what it was that had happened. It even gets me now to that was years ago. And I still feel the intensity of that moment because it was like a, you know, when you have those flashbulb moments in your life that just shift everything about who you are, it was one of those moments. And I remember stopping in my tracks and I looked over at my now husband who I wasn't dating or with at that time. And I, I did this, <gasps> like, I, re I remember thinking, oh my God, I missed it. Like I, I missed it. I, I had a totally different thought about all of the things and it changed everything going forward from that moment. It is all about perception and every single experience that you have comes down to a thought. And so if it's not going the way that you want it to go, you can change it not for the faint of heart and you can change it. Yes. Change your thoughts, change your life by Dr. Wayne Dyer is a phenomenal book for anyone out there that helped me yes, a lot with this yes. whole concept of that. Yes. Can I ask you a question that can help me and probably a lot of people that are out there as well? Yes. So 
you know, there's this balance, at least what, what we're trying to, not trying, what we're doing with Violet, there's this balance, right, of allowing her freedom, but also disciplining her mm-hmm. um, and also setting a routine and things like that, right? So it's like, I am just, I'll just say, I'm, I'm just like such a big believer and my views on it is that Violet just came from the realm of the soul, from the realm of spirit. And there she was this infinite being like we all were. Um, that just felt unconditional love in every single moment. Um, and then when she comes here, you know, we're stuck in these little bodies. We're in this physical reality where, you know, we want to, we were this, you know, she was just this expansive, like this infinitely expansive being. And now she's confined into a human body. And, you know, I want to allow her to do things in moments. And like, I'll give you an example. Yesterday, um, in my office, she was over by this window over here with our dog Summer and just having a great time, just like looking out the window, just having a ball, literally. And my dad was here and he wanted to brush her teeth and he kept asking her, he's like, all right, let's go brush your teeth, let's brush your teeth. And he asked her over and over and over again. And eventually I was like, dad, it's, it's okay. Like she can just be here. Like we don't, all right, we don't need to rush to do this right now. We can still have this play time, let her thrive, let her have fun. And then we can do it after, right? So I guess for me in that moment, there like was that balance where I allowed her to have fun and be who she is, but also as a parent, she's got to brush her teeth that night. You know what I mean? So we just did it later. And even when my dad came in, it wasn't something that had to get done right then. It was still earlier in the night. So we did have time. And then so my dad too, he's like, so just like, I know you don't really want to say no to her and certain things. And he's been amazing. He's like really trying to acclimate to us raising our views and raising Violet. And then, so like with that too, I don't like to say no to her. Uh, I, you know, I just feel like as a child, she is so expansive and there's no limitations to her. So when you say, no, 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 don't do that. It's like, what? All of a sudden it's like, <laughs> it's like this avalanche comes on her and she's like, whoa, wait, wait, what? So what we do is we'll direct her somewhere else. So if she's playing with something, you know, that she's maybe not supposed to play with, that can be dangerous for her. Okay. Okay. We'll say, all right, Violet. No, no, don't do that. Like kind of like abruptly. Cause I didn't like that when I was a child. We'll say, Hey, Violet. Oh, look, 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 look what's over here. Let's go um, in this direction and see what else. So instead of like no and smothering it, we're creating opportunity and abundance somewhere else. Yeah. But yeah, if you can just kind of maybe get some guidance or help in just like wanting to allow her more freedom. So she just, she knows how limitless she actually is but still being a good parent and disciplining her and helping her and guiding her in moments. Because I saw this in one of your videos too. And you talked about how important it is to like still be there for your kids to like discipline them and make sure they're doing certain things. And like, cause kids, right. They, they need that. And they look for that. Uh, they look for that guidance. Yeah. You know, I think, well, two things, discipline for our children is way less about controlling their behavior and way more about controlling our own. So when we talk about discipline, we're really talking about parent or other big person behavior towards children and how we go about all of that. If you ever come across discipline strategies, you know, like one, two, three, and and we count you down and then we time you out and we do it, like run the other way very quickly. You don't need any strategies. You do um, need a way of being and as Eckhart Tolle says, the, the doing, what you're going to end up doing in the moment will flow from that being. So that's the part that we really want to check in with. And I often think about discipline and I really connect with that idea that, um, you know, we're, we we choose these sacred contracts and come into this lifetime and we exist in the form of our physical body. And, and that's 
um, that is not the limit of who it is that we are. Our potential is limitless and you don't want to clip her wings or come down on her heart or have her be smaller than because of the way that you responded. So I, I really get that. I think too about the idea of um, guardrails on bridges. And if you ever went to cross over a bridge here in my part of the world, uh, I live where there's the ocean and lots of rivers. And so we have bridges everywhere that you go. And a couple of them are kind of terrifying bridges that, you know, they're always full of cars and, the, and it's a lot. I'm from the prairies here in Canada where there's no water. <laughs> so it was a big adjustment to come to the coast with all of these bridges. And I think about what it would feel like if I came up on one of those bridges today and somebody had taken the guardrails off the bridge. And would I drive across the bridge or would that be kind of terrifying to me? Um, I've never bumped into the guardrails on any of those bridges. So I have no reason to think that I need them. And yet I got to tell you, if I came up on one of those bridges today and somebody had taken the guardrails off, I'd be like, oh, <laughs> no, thank you. And I'd be turning around and heading back home. The guardrails are um, our role as the big people in our children's lives, the grownups. It's our rule to have those guardrails in place so that our children feel safe. Another way to think about it is that discipline is what allows children to come to a space of emotional rest. If there's no discipline, then you don't get to rest. When I was um, 15 going on 16 years old, my parents split up and um, there was lots of issues to do with money and other things. And there was a lot of stuff in life that felt very unsettling. And I got incredibly depressed, although nobody ever diagnosed me as such. I just stayed in bed all day, every day. And nobody said that I shouldn't do that. Nobody was in charge. Nobody said, like, get to school. <laughs> nobody said, you know, anything about any of that. I, I really just was left to my own devices uh, to sleep. And that's all I did. And my mom, who's a wonderful human being, was herself incredibly depressed and devastated. My dad, of course, was going through his own incredible upset and hurt. So they weren't available to any of those kinds of things. And I will never forget the morning. So I essentially had dropped out of school. It was my grade 10 year and I was non-school attending for six months. And one morning, my mom showed up in my bedroom at like seven in the morning, this ungodly hour for a, a teenage girl who'd been sleeping around the clock for months on end. She showed up in my room at seven in the morning, turned on the light, and she said, it's time to have a shower. You're going to school today. And I got to tell you, I've never, like, I can still feel the wave of relief that came through my body in that moment because somebody was back and somebody was in charge. And I didn't have to do it all myself as a child anymore. I could rely on her. I could rest into the support that she was providing in the context of, you know, norms and expectations and boundaries and rules and all of those kinds of things. It was an incredibly freeing moment for me as a as still a child to know that someone was in charge. So I think that's what we do with our children that we, you know, we we have ways of being and expectations that come around that, that we put those in place at times firmly um, and always with heaps of compassion and kindness and that our children just get to breathe a little easier because then they don't have to feel like they're running the show and totally responsible for all of it. I totally get that. As a child, like it would feel, I, I would think, insanely overwhelming to think you have no support, that you have to do everything and take care of everything. There's no guidelines to what you're supposed to do. Yeah. 
And yet that is the epidemic that faces us right now. Like I, if I had to say the one thing that is like the most intensely prominent issue that children today are facing and my opinion, fueling this crisis that we're having around anxiety with kids, fueling the issues that we're having in um, ever increasing numbers with kids getting diagnosed with mood disorders like depression and other kinds of things. What is driving all of that is that the kids think they are in charge and that they have to be in charge. Kids today right now have that belief. Not all of them, but lots of them. You think that's a newer thing that's happening with this generation? I think so. I think so. And I have I have some thoughts about why. One of those thoughts is that the, the world is an interesting place right now for all of us to be here. And so there's a lot going on in the world. My other thought, and I always feel a little sheepish in, in saying this, is it's because of the, the parenting industry of which I am a part of. That industry has... Um, I think inadvertently, I don't think it was planful, but it's kind of like it's robbed parents of their swagger. Like they kind they sort of now they're like, oh, I, I don't know how to do this. And so I should I should read the book and I should go to the workshop and I should sign up for the the lessons and the classes and the, do all these things because I don't know how to raise my child. Wait, what? We've been doing that for like a really long time. Because it's in our DNA, like we know how to do this. It, we we have it inside of us. It's meant to just come out of us. And the problem is that this parenting industry, and really, you know, since like the 1950s, when those first kind of seminal parenting books started showing up and people um, read them like they were the Bible and uh, felt like they needed to source that. And things got a little like a little little and twisted and weird. And now we're, there's a swell of a movement of trying to kind of like say, oh, hold on a second, let's question that because that doesn't make a lot of sense. Let's really come back to who it is that we are, come back to our own truth. And our own truth is you, you've got this in you. You know already what you're doing. You just have to unlearn all of the things that have been like sneaking into your mind as what you ought to be doing. And do you, do you think that with kids thinking that they kind of have to do things on their own now, do you think that's the kid's belief or that from lack of parenting from the parent, maybe not wanting to over-discipline or? Uh, see, so the way, even the way that you said that, like the the parents like, oh, I was like, I don't, I don't want to do it. I talk about it in um, one of my books. I use the example of if you were climbing Mount Everest. Like you decided to do this trek and you were going to climb Mount Everest and you hired yourself a guide and you're trekking up the mountain and it's a, you know, grueling kind of trek and there's lots of things that can go wrong, but you're just so thankful you've got this guide. And then, you know, as the days go on and the climb gets higher and the conditions get a little bit more challenging, you notice that your guide's getting a little weathered. And all of a sudden you hear the guide start to say things like, I don't know, guys, do you, like, do you think we should go on today? Or do you feel like this is probably good enough? Do you think we should, you know, do this? Or do you think we should do that? And you're thinking to yourself, I don't know. Like, you're the guide. You decide. Why would I know anything about this? So imagine in that moment, are you like, yeah, let's keep trekking. This is amazing. I feel so solid and so secure in this. 
Or are you like, oh, uh, do we need to get worried about this? And then you start to feel like, oh my gosh, like if you're not in charge and you're not going to take this on, then who's in charge and who's going to take this on? And so if you can take that analogy and plop it down into the world of parenting and our children, as the parents all run around saying, well, we don't know what we're doing. We we need to go talk to the psychologist. We need to go talk to whoever. Um, I think the children are like, wait, what? Hmm. <laughs> are you in charge? Like, how is it supposed to go if you don't know what you're doing? That is very interesting. It's like, you know, books and things are out there to help. It just, it's always a balance. It's there to help. It's not there to take over your entire world and essentially shut you down and acting on your own unless you talk to somebody else or read one of these books or something like that. And... I mean, I'm I'm essentially talking myself out of a job as we have this conversation <laughs> because my life's work is spent talking with parents and and um, really working to sort of open the mind and open the heart and and really have you connect to the truth of who you are so you can show up with your child. So it's not that we never seek those things out, and it is that those things ought never to override that instinct, that that wisdom that we have within us to bring forward into this space between us and our children. Mm. If somebody's telling you things are, you know, I remember when my first son was born and I was surrounded by a chorus of voices that were insistent on the merits of sleep training. At that time, I was a doctoral student um, and I happened to be a research assistant in a lab at the School of Nursing. I was not a nursing student, but I was working in this lab. And um, co-located with me in that lab was North America's most prominent infant sleep researcher who was like, Vanessa, you need to get that baby out of your room by six weeks of age or he's never going to sleep. And I remember thinking, oh, like, I can't even imagine removing him from my room right now. Like, I don't like I won't sleep and he won't sleep. And like, that's going to feel really horrible and really having to circle back around in the chorus of all of these expert voices to find what my truth was and to trust that my truth was the way that we were going to do this, that 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 was the wisdom that needed to come forward from my son, who is 19 years old right now and a champion sleeper, I will just tell you. (laughs) I think it's good to have that information out there so you can lean on it in moments, but again, not rely your whole entire parenting on someone else's views and, and beliefs. Like, again, it's always a balance. I mean, water can sustain you and give you life and create life on, on the planet, or it can kill you. Right. So it's just like, Great. doesn't mean, Great it doesn't mean water's not bad. Obviously it's what we need. And I think people like you and books are important and they can be very helpful and they can be very needed. But again, if you go too far into that side where you remove yourself from the equation, that's where we run into trouble. That's right. That's right. I'd love to create some healing uh, right now. And so this keeps coming to me um, during our conversation. You know, a lot of people um, did have some serious trauma when they were children, right? And it's something that they've carried with them into their adulthood. And it's something that through that trauma, they'll continuously blame their parents. Mm. They'll think everything that's wrong in their life is because of their parents and how they traumatize them. Um, so how, like, what do you say to people who feel that way towards their parent? Like, what are some things 
that we can say to that person to help them maybe shift that perception or perspective so that they can maybe have some forgiveness for their parents or just a little bit more love or connection towards them. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I started out my career working uh, in the public sector alongside child protection services. And so I was the infant psychologist co-located with child protection services, which meant that I saw a lot of things early on in my career that were devastating in terms of horrible stuff that had happened to young children. And I met their parents. And that experience was so altering for me because those people, I mean, arguably had done horrible things to their children and were being, you know, tried in a court of law and they're, they're, they were awful things. And getting to know the stories of those people, not that it excuses it, it doesn't excuse it. When you know the stories of what those people lived through, you can see how that came alive in their parenting when they had children. It's almost like it couldn't have gone any other way. And so I have this belief that every single one of us at every moment in time is doing the best that we can with the circumstances that we're in and with the histories that we carry within us, every single one of us. And that really, for a lot of people, I understand it requires a leap of faith to land in the truth of that statement. When you can land there, you automatically will be able to shift to a somewhat more compassionate lens for your own parents who did the very best they could for the circumstances that they were in and with the histories that they were carrying inside of themselves. They did the best that they could. And here you are, when you were a child, it was their job to fill you up with all the things that were lovely and good. That was their job. And now you're an adult. It's no longer their job. So we're not excusing it. We are explaining it. And we are taking full ownership of the journey that we are on. You cannot get it from the outside when you're an adult. You can get it from the outside when you're a child and that's the way it's meant to go. But as an adult, that's what you know. the idea of self-love is all about. You have to be willing, not that you want it, but be willing to be the only one who will fully see and hear self. And when you can have that kind of love for self, then you get to heal all of the things that came before because you go back to the 15-year-old and the 12-year-old and the 9-year-old and the 7-year-old and the 3-year-old. And through the experience of reparenting, you get to heal all of that. Will you also can view your own parents through a lens of compassion? Mm -hmm. And for some people, that doesn't mean that, that, you know, some people are estranged from their parents. And when you do that work, it doesn't mean magically that you're going to end up, you know, going on vacations with them now and having family dinners and all of those things. And you can heal with them from inside your own self. It only takes one person to have a good relationship. And when you heal with your parents, you heal your life. So you can be right or you can be happy. Uh, that gets me like so emotional because it's so true. And like we carry these things around for our entire lives. Yeah, and we realize like the forgiveness is for us. It's like the understanding of them is for us. And I love that you said that because it's so true. It's not condoning what they did. Yeah. It's not saying okay, that was great, like thanks. But it's just like it, 
when you can forgive someone else and heal, I'm 36 and heal 36 years of potential trauma, things that happened before. Oh my gosh. Let me, that makes me think of this quote, which I'm going to quickly pull up on my phone. I have it saved because I love it so much. Mm -hmm. Um, And what it means to do that when you are a parent and have children. Um, This is a quote by Terry Riel. I think it's how you say his name, R-E-A-L. Family dysfunction rolls down from generation to generation like a fire in the woods, taking down everything in its path until one person in one generation has the courage to turn and face the flames. That person brings peace to their ancestors and spares the children that follow. Yes. It is so unbelievably true. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll just, from my own experience too, and I'll just use my uh, my dad again, um, you know, with him coming here more often, and we have a great relationship, like buddies. And then, so we've just gotten deeper into things over the past couple of years, because just again, his heart's opening more and more, and we're just, we're going deeper into him and into our relationship. And I fully forgive Anything that my dad had done when I was younger that may have seemed abrupt or mean or rude or if he yelled or anything like that, because I know now that he was doing his best with with his circumstances based off of his history. And the more I talk to him, the more I understand what a challenging uh, childhood he had. Yeah. And literally, he'll do certain things. He'll tell me certain things they did in the past and it'll click in a moment. I'm like, wow, that's why he did that to me. And it's just instant letting go and instant forgiving him because he just, unfortunately, I don't even want to say unfortunately, he just passed the trauma on that he had gotten. And then to understand that, it's like, wow, you were just, you you had a lot of trauma when you were a kid and you just carried that into adulthood and you pass it on to me. It's not that you want it to be that way. It's not like you enjoyed that either. No. And in all my years working with child protection services, I never once met a parent who ever enjoyed what it was that they had done and whoever set out to do those things to their children. And so it, it really is from that space of compassion that we can come to, you know, an energy of peace around they, they did their best and that's the way that it was meant to be. And also, you know, from a more spiritual place, we chose them. It wasn't happenstance that we came through and landed in their lives and in their homes. We chose them. It was an active cellular decision that we ended up in that space because that's what we needed in this lifetime for the journey of our own evolution. And you, 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 you don't get to be judgy about that. (laughs) It's so, ah, that's so perfect. It's so true. Like I'll just even say like growing up, both my parents had tempers. They weren't every moment. They both were amazing and loved us, but they had moments where it got scary, where they really yelled and they really, really shouted. So I grew up in that environment. I had a temper when I was younger and I just thought that was how you handled situations. I thought that's how you spoke to somebody. You know what I mean? You screamed at them and then you left or whatever it may have been. <laughs> and then when I'm so, I'm so grateful for those experiences because growing up in that environment, having a temper, I shot so far on one side. I had 
Vanessa, I had a crazy, crazy temper when I was younger. And I swung so far on that side. And the pendulum, you swing really far on one end, you're going to swing right back. And I swung so hard back into love and into kindness and into understanding. And I truly think I only am where I am right now because of those experiences when I was younger. So then how can I be mad at that? Or how can I be angry at them? That's right. And you cannot know here without there and left without right and up without down and dark without light. Like you couldn't know the love that you walk in right now had you not known that as a child. It had to be that way. And thank God it was that way. Literally, I'm like, that. that's just a, a huge, like that past is our huge moments in my growth as a human. So now I'll think, hmm, maybe I should scream at Violet so she grows later. I'm kidding. Like, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> you you don't have to create the moment. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and like, I know that for sure, but I'm like, you know, that, those are things like I didn't like when I was younger. My parents got divorced when I was super young. I did not like that at all. That was really, really hard for me when I was younger. But they're all things that I'm just so grateful for. And yeah. they've made me who I am. And then I'm just, Absolutely. I will say this freely. I am in love with who I am. Yeah. And what, like, what a thing. Imagine the concept of that. And if every single one of us on the planet could just be so in love with who we are, not ego love, but love love with who yes. we are. Oh my gosh, in an instant, the world would be forever changed. Literally, as I just said that too, I had a moment of panic of like, wow, people are going to think you just are your full yourself and you are <laughs> ego driven. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I know it's not that, but even like saying that out loud because of like the society that we're in right now, for you to pronounce and proclaim that you love yourself, a lot of the instant thoughts are, wow, you're pretty conceited, huh? Oh, you probably right. need to take a step down. Yeah. You know, I love the work of James Hollis, who's a Jungian analyst, I suppose is a way to describe him. And he talks about the idea that there is no other. And at first I was like, I don't get it. (laughs) What do you mean there's no other? But because we, everything that we experience, we are making it up from our own experiences. And so there, there is no other, there's just who we are. And he he goes on to talk about the otherness of the other. Like you have to really get familiar with, with the other is other and you are self. And everything that you experience in the world out there is a reflection of the world in here. So you best be getting down to some love for self. If the experience out there is going to be a reflection, you would want for it to be a reflection of, of true self-love, compassionate a surrendered, caring kind of love for self. I need a drink of that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Right. And that, like, that's the love that I'm referring to as well, too. Like being, I think everyone should be in love with themselves, not in the conceited, look at me. I'm awesome. Just like, of course you should love yourself. You're here. You're alive. You're beautiful. You're unique in every single way. No one else is like you. Mm-hmm. How can you not be in love with yourself? And then you said that too. Imagine if we were all truly very in a healthy way, in a spiritual way, in love with ourselves. Because me being in love with myself helps me be in love with other people. Oh, because yeah. Vanessa, right? I know that you are me. I know that we're one. Yeah. So when I love myself unconditionally, it, it it's like that little bit of a bridge or that step over to just loving other people unconditionally as well. Mm-hmm. 
Mm -hmm. Let that be the prescription. <laughs> Vanessa, I'd love to ask you too. Yeah. What are some of the things within parenting that you struggle a little bit with? And yeah. I think even most importantly, what are some of the things that you've done? You know, some of the things that you practiced or some of the things that maybe you've changed in your mind to help you, you know, work through those things? That's such a great question. I feel like the biggest struggle for me over the years, and, and just for everybody to know, I have for sure, sometimes on a daily and multiple times on a daily basis, had my yelly shouty moments and my impatient moments and all of those kinds of things. So, so just because I I speak about all of these things does not mean that I'm immune to it all. In fact, I, I have this very firm belief that wounded healers heal. And that that for us to own the messiness of the middle, you know, that that's a very important thing if we are to be healers in this world. So I, I also have done and said all the things. I think the hardest thing for me as a parent has been not trusting that I know when I don't know, you know? Yeah, yeah. So I'll give you a couple of examples. One of my children, who's just the most extraordinary human being, was really struggling in the first couple of years of school. And the kind of struggle that had him, I mean, he would have like hour-long meltdowns before we left for school in the morning. And he would come home at the end of the school day. And as soon as I picked him up from school, it would start again, where he was just really, really undone. And then he started throwing up, like just random throwing up. And then the random throwing up became daily throwing up and sometimes more than once a day throwing up, which had us like in all of these specialist offices. And, and you know, was it this thing in his stomach or this thing in his brain or this thing, this thing, this thing, all these worries, worries, worries. And I remember just sitting in panic and fear, like what was happening to my child and, and what was going on. And I just want to remind you, as I describe all of this, that I am a psychologist who has worked with children her entire life. So as I'm watching this play out and we're investigating all these medical things, which all come up empty, I'm thinking to myself, what's the environment like for him at that point? So my marriage to his father ended when uh, he would have been 10 years old. So certainly at age six and seven, you know, things weren't great. So there was that in the field. The, the energetic field around him. And something about school had really tripped his wire. What I didn't realize at that point in time is that he had an undiagnosed um, hearing loss. And so he wasn't hearing anything that was happening at school, which was leading to him looking non-compliant. And then he was getting in trouble. And so then he became more non-compliant. And then all of these things had played out. And he hadn't spoke about any of those things. So I actually didn't know the severity of what was happening. What I also didn't realize is that he has this exceptional, extraordinary mind. I always knew him to be an intensely sensitive human. He's one of the orchids that walks among us uh, who, you know, can bloom and extraordinarily beautiful ways and really does need the parent to be tending the environment for that to happen. Um, what I didn't know is that, you know, the musical gifts and all of the things that had come with that had also come alongside learning differences um, that had not been understood and had not been explored. And so the supports weren't in place around all of that. And at that point in my career, I was doing learning assessments like every day, all day as a professional. So that I missed that in my own child was a, was a moment, I'm not going to lie. And 
having to feel it's like, I have this vision of if you are feeling your way through life, sort of wondering what to do as a parent, and you're looking for the portals, like you're, you're kind of like groping along this wall and trying to find the, the spaces and the places that you're meant to travel into. And, and just being overwhelmed with this fear of not knowing and that I want maybe won't figure it out that I won't be able to get the right things in place for him that it won't go the way that it's meant to go that not knowing and the other big experience of not knowing was being inside a marriage that had gone terribly sideways and things were happening in our home you know at the time that I was writing a book about discipline and how to do that with compassion and respect and consciousness there was a lot of stuff happening in my home that was very opposite um not at my hands, at the hands of their father. And I have so much compassion for him in all of that. He, I think, really was going through a very dark night of the soul over the course of many years. And that altered the way that he showed up in our home and with our family. And feeling like I didn't know how to fix that. And I was living this double life where I would go out into public and I would speak on stages about this is how you do it. And then I would go home to this absolute gong show of of a family life and a parenting life. And like, how was I going to fix it? How was I going to figure this out? Was I ruining my children? How would I ever get it back on track? Would they be okay? The not knowing is uh, probably has been the biggest challenge for me as a parent. And I will tell you, because it comes up in my life in multiple ways, not just in parenting, I know wholeheartedly that that is because one of the huge lessons that I am meant to learn in this lifetime is the lesson of surrender. I was just going to ask you, so then maybe you don't, right, this is something that you struggle with. So it seems you don't do it in every moment, but what is your higher, your higher thought telling you in those moments yeah. to, sur- to surrender? And the idea that you can lean into that, that you can lean into the not knowing. You do know, you just don't yet know that you know. It's written in the stars. It's already done. You just don't know. And so you can lean into the the absence of certainty and accept the experience of surrender, knowing that it is all going to play out exactly the way that it's meant to play out for the evolution of your soul and those of your children. You don't get to be judgy about that. Thank you for just being so vulnerable and open and sharing that. Cause I feel like that is, as I think about it right now, probably something that most parents really struggle with and deal with the unknown. It's like, well, what's going to happen if, if they go this route or what's going to happen later. And like, I feel like that was the biggest thing when I was growing up, my parents were worried about like what was going to happen. There was like that constant worry and fear of like what will happen next or, and just not knowing what will go. You know, I go away to college this year. Oh my God, what, what could happen? You know I mean? What, it is that constantly unknowing um, what's in store for your child. And you know, it's like when I was a kid, I couldn't understand that because I didn't have the perspective of being the parent to the child. Yes. Yes. And then so with Violet now, I'm I'm keeping this in mind and being like, okay, just like allow in moments and understand that like if she struggles with something, if she quote unquote fails at something, if something doesn't go the way she hoped or thought it was gonna go. That's okay. It's actually like really exciting if you look at it that way. Yes. Yes. It really is exciting. And, you know, even as I say that, and we have this sort of part of our conversation, I could, I could feel it in me, the mixed feelings. Like I'm like, (laughs) yes, 
we're going to surrender. And then I'm like, oh no, <laughs> it's like fear and love are just like having this duel, you know, inside of me. And, um, and, and that's the experience of being in the human form that we get to, we, we've got that ego part of us always present that will drive with fear and we mm-hmm. get to connect to, um, the higher self or the deeper self and, uh, come back to the truth of all things in all moments, love. Love, exactly. And how nice is it that we actually get to have these experiences? Because it's my life is awesome to me that we get experiences because we could sit here in the spirit realm all day, me and Vanessa, and be like, I know that if I had a kid, I would love them so much and I would understand that I can't control what happens to them where their life goes. And I know I would surrender to that because what other choice is there? Like you couldn't know that in thought in theory. I couldn't even even thought that when I was a 16 year old kid. Oh, when I'm a parent, I'm not going to be this way towards my kids. I'm going to understand that anything can happen. I'm going to let them be free. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And in thought and theory, we can have all these ideas of who we want to be or how we want to show up, but it's only in the experience that we get to show up and be who we choose to be in that moment, right? So without the experience, without your kid going off and doing this thing, without that, we don't get to actually know and we don't get the opportunity to show up as we want to be and as we want to show up in those moments. 100%. I think of um, Neil Donald Walsh, his book, um, The The Little Soul in the Sun and the friendly soul who's going to come into your next lifetime and just like change it up for you a little bit so that you get an opportunity to learn that lesson or heal that part of yourself. And, and friendly souls can come in all shapes and sizes. And I think in many ways, our children are our friendly souls. They, they bring up stuff for us so that we get to have the opportunity. That's what we're here for us to experience in the spirit realm. It was just this infinite knowing. But there's that yearn to experience. Like, think about this. If we could just, if we were in the place of non-physical and we knew all these things, mm-hmm. don't you think that we would we would really hunger and very deeply within us want to actually live those experiences? Oh, yes. Right? We, we would be cheering ourselves on. Like, it would be the best thing ever. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, how lucky are we that we get to? And I'm not, again, in saying these things, how lucky we are, I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying I'm not going to struggle with violent moments. And I'm not going to be torn back and forth and have these dark nights. Like that's definitely possible. But yeah. from the higher perspective, like I, I know that I'm grateful for the experiences that we get to have. Yeah. Cause I want to show up. I love the, I love the opportunities to show up in the truth of who I am. Right. Yeah. Like, I like those that I can be here in a difficult situation and like, okay, am I going to be that higher version of myself that I know I can be? Or am I going to be somewhere else, somewhere a little bit lower, maybe somewhere in between. And it's just like fun being able to have those experiences. And when we don't show up as our higher, as our highest self to also forgive ourselves. And you mentioned that earlier to love ourselves. Yes. And heaps of compassion for self. A hundred percent. And you can't know the truth of who you are if you haven't danced with the truth of who you aren't. Yeah. So you just get to have the experiences that you're having in order to do that dance and, and know both ends of things. Um, only then that, I mean, going back to the little soul in the sun, uh, where the little soul is having this conversation with God, because he wants to remember the, who he is and he wants to be forgiving. He wants to be light, 
And, and then God says to him, okay, cool. I have a solution. We will surround you with darkness. And the little soul's like, hold on a second. I don't know about this. And God says, well, you can't know light if you are in light. You, you can only know light if you are in darkness. And so we have to do it this way. Mm-hmm. And it really, especially when you're having a challenging time in life to remember that, um, you know, however big the dark is, that's how big the light's going to be on the other side of this. Yes, that's awesome. Yeah. And I think even knowing it in those experiences too, like not bidding ourselves up when we don't act in the way that we hoped that we would, or we thought that we would, that's also an experience to be like, wow, that is not who I want to be. And that just gives us more information on who we don't want to be so that we can move uh, in that direction closer to actually who we do want to be. Yeah. You just get reminded of your truth. Yes, exactly. Uh, And everybody, YouTube, um, if you feel compelled to, uh, the little soul and the sun for real, it's like 14, 15 minutes. It is an incredible story that helped me really forgive more. It helped me understand other people. Um, it really, it puts the whole idea of forgiveness in like a whole new perspective. So good. And it's in this like, you know, blanket of looking like a children's storybook. And I will tell you, it's probably one of the um, like most seminal things that I've read in my whole life. Yes. And Neil Donald Walsh too, if anyone else is interested, Conversations with God is just unreal. unreal. It's just love in every... A hundred percent. And if you ever get the chance to hear him speak live, he's magnificent. Wow. Nice. <laughs> Okay, and Vanessa, what I what I just want to ask you too is, what is like? I'm sure this comes up a lot for you, but like, what is a piece or two of information that you want to just share with the parents out there that is just like deep within your soul and your heart? Mm-hmm. If you could just share, if you had, you know, you're like, all right, Vanessa, you only got two minutes to live here. What are the things that you want parents to know? What are the things that you know deepest within yourself that you want to share with other parents that can that can help them? Parenting is not about tips and tricks and strategies. Parenting is about coming home to the truth of who you are, being entirely connected to the beingness of yourself and finding yourself moving forward in flow with your children on the journey called life, where the doing flows from the being. You don't need to know all of the answers. If you find yourself constantly asking the question, what should I do when, and fill in the blank, know that it's the wrong question. Back to the wise words of Wayne Dyer, we are not human doings, we are human beings. And our job for our children in parenting is to show up in the full essence of our being and bring that to bear upon how it is that we create the environment that they are going to grow up in and and emerge into the fullness of their self in. So less about the doing, more about the being, and you already know the answers. You just don't know that you know. (laughs) That was awesome. That was... Two uh, minutes, like I had to deliver. (laughs) That was so perfect. Awesome. Oh, that was so good. Mm. You know what? I'll catch myself. So when I get caught up in the worry of Violet, am I doing things right? Or how am I going to handle the situation when it comes? When I calm my mind and I release those anxious thoughts 
and I am just with her in the moment. It's like hard to describe. You know, it's like that being so present and always connecting back to the fact that I am love. I know that's who I am. And then in those moments, every moment with her showing up as love, as my truth, everything else goes away. Everything else falls into place brilliantly. It's wild. You already knew. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And then so Vanessa, uh, thank you. And I want to ask you the one question I ask every single guest. So I'll always preface it this way is that my, my purpose here, it's not even like my purpose, just my being who I am, mm-hmm. um, what just resonates out of me and the, my truth is helping shift the collective consciousness of the planet um, to a place that is more kind and loving and peaceful, empathetic, understanding, vulnerable, forgiving, a consciousness that understands our oneness and our truth. Um, and in conversation with God, they talk a lot about that, you know, that shift in consciousness that is so possible. Like we just have to change our thoughts. Like we're here. It's not that far away. Yeah. So can I ask you, you know, what do you feel like you were doing every day to help and aid in this sort of a shift of consciousness? Mm-hmm. Every day. I mean, of course, I have lots of professional activities and personal things and all of those things going on. And if I had to boil it down to like one essential thing that is at the foundation of all of that is that I am learning in every moment how to connect with the truth of who I am and have um, an unabashed love for self. Because if I can do that, then I am doing what I am meant to be doing as part of one to um, change the consciousness of the planet, to shift from fear-based to love-based existence. Love yourselves in the truest sense of what that means. And then let's just see. Mm. Just see. I love that. That's it. It's, it's always, it's just within us. If every single person said what you just said and really worked on themselves and played with themselves and followed through on that, the consciousness, it would, it would start to shift in, in that direction. It, it is, it's that understanding that it is all within us. And by you being that version of yourself, Vanessa, obviously you're setting that example. And then, so you're going to spark that in somebody else. They're going to see Vanessa and be like, wow, like something she's doing is working. They're going to hear you speak more. You're, um, you know, more podcasts, different things that you're doing, going to a conference that you're at mm-hmm. and seeing that and then understanding more of who you are and that you're being that in every moment that you can be. And then seeing that and knowing that that's possible. It's like literally like, kind of like the veil has been lifted. It's like, whoa, I, Vanessa is doing that. That means it's possible. That means I can do it too. And just even your, yes, you like, I love it. You, you do that because you're shifting the energy, just you doing it on your own say nobody ever could see you, you're still shifting the energy around you. You're shifting our thoughts. All those things are being, are, are moving. But when other people can witness you doing that, you just set the example. And that is just so beautiful. Mm, thank mm. you. Thank mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. So good. <laughs> this has been awesome. I really think that you're brilliant and you, I don't, you come across in just a very vulnerable and truthful. And uh, I don't know, there's like a safety like, I don't know. I feel with you. I just, <laughs> yeah. I don't know that, you know, there's just a good, I don't know. There's just like a 
even more than just like good vibes, like good energy that that comes from you that kind of just creates this like like I it's I trust you. Like I trust in the things and I've watched a lot of your videos. And then you have that about you that just is a very, very important, I think, powerful characteristic to have for people just to initially, kind of with their gut, just have trust and in, in what you're saying and, and who you are. So that's just like really special. And I just wanted to let you know that that's what you put out and that's what you give off. I I love that. I love that. I I take that in and I will carry that with me. Thank you. Of course. Oh, that was really nice. That felt really good. Awesome. How beautiful is that? I just like, I have love for you and I just wanted to give you love in the moment. And that felt amazing for me. Yeah, I know it felt great for you, which is awesome. But like, that just felt so like. Yeah, that's the prescription. That's, you know, it's just such a, an incredible thing. And I think, you know, I, I shine that all right back to you. And what's so wonderful about a conversation like this with somebody like you who has the heart and the soul that are alive uh, in you, that it, it creates an exchange of, you know, reflections that reflect and then reflect again. And you end up uh, being in this wonderful experience with another soul in this life. And that's what a gift. Thank you. Mm, of course. Thank you for saying that. That was that was awesome. I appreciate that so much. Um, and just before we uh, cut out of here, if you can let people know where they can find you, they can reach out to social media, your website, anywhere that people can uh, get in contact with you. So drvanessalapointe.com, D-R, Vanessa LaPointe with an E on the end, dot com uh, is my website. And you can find information about, I've written two books so far. I've got two more up in my head right now that I might start putting pen to paper around very quickly. Um, I do a lot of online uh, webinars and I'm about to open my consultation list for parents to be able to work directly with me in the online world. Um, and so that information is on my website. And I'm also very active on Instagram and on Facebook. Uh, Dr. Vanessa LaPointe is where you'll find me. And, you know, putting love out into the world and and really just um, very, um, very intent on staying on that path and endeavoring to change the conversation that we have about who children are and why mm. it is that they're here. Like every single day, you're <laughs> it's awesome. You're helping adults understand who they are more, connect more, and relate to their children, and you're helping them be better versions of themselves mm. and just better parents so that those kids can have that sort of a more loving experience, which will just translate into them becoming adults, them having kids, and that beautiful cycle continues and continues and continues. So thank you yes, so yes, much. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you. Uh, everybody, thank you for uh, being here uh, with me and Vanessa and hanging out for a little while. Hope the conversation was helpful. Uh, if you're a new parent, been a parent that has a 60-year-old, any of it, reach out to Vanessa. Definitely go check out her, uh, her videos on Instagram. Um, and just reach out to her, right? If you have any ideas, perspectives, things that you need help with, Lean into Vanessa, right? Like we said before, don't take her as the end all be all God of the situation, but lean into her, like use her wisdom and her knowledge and her experience to help better who you are and how you show up every single day for your children. I love mm. that. So much love for you, Vanessa. Thank you so much for being here. So much love for you. Thank you for having me. Of course. And everybody, we have so much love for you. That's why we do this podcast. We just want to spread love spread a newer consciousness and just help anybody out there who's listening. Um, so 
So much love for you all and cannot wait to see everybody next week. Thanks again, Vanessa. Perfect.